Hello, hello, hello. What up? What up? What up, people? What up, people? This is Keith London from The Roller Agenda. You know what? I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's real difficult to talk about. It's kind of hard to explain. And everybody do it. Let's t- I'm going to talk about sign. Pretty much sign. you know. I'm going to talk about the theories, myths, and some of the truths. Okay, let's start first about... What's the first thing people do when they pick up a bird? The first thing they do is look in the eye, right? The problem I have with that is, what are you actually looking for? I might have said this before, but let's go. Let's talk about what I look for, not what you're looking for. The first thing I look for is the clarity through whatever color it is. If it's pearl eye, orange eye, yellow eye, and or light orange eye. Bull eye is really hard to read, but you got sunlight just from over your shoulder. But anyway, what I want to look at is if I see the color clear, clearly, which is the iris. If iris is clear and clean, that don't mean that it's, it's that don't mean that it's void of any kind of texture. That means it's just clear. When birds have a texture in their eye, you can see it visible with them. From your eye that shows a little depth. Birds like that are, they show the potential to have quality. The reason why I say potential because none of this stuff is 100%. Since it's not 100%, I can only say potential. Now you have birds that look like ridges and mountains, some look like sand, some look like spokes. Like 100 spokes, rims, if you know what that means. But you don't have to look closely at the eye through a jeweler's loop to see the spokes. If you can see them, they're visible just by holding the bird to your face and looking at it. Okay. The closer you get to it, the spokes kind of disappear and it turns into grains of sand and or and or hills and valleys just in there stacked up. Um, the next number I look for really is term everybody use gravelated they don't have to have a gravelated eye to be a good pigeon most gravelated eye birds are, per, are pearl eye pigeons anyway most of them pearl eye or shades of pearl I'll look for next is pupil placement and pupil shape um, the pupil should be placed slightly toward the wattle I mean sort of front and down toward the wattle just slightly noticeable but slight so if you don't really pay attention most people won't see it I like an oval shaped pupil at least one of the, one of the pupils should be oval shaped and people say one but if you look at most birds most, most birds have an oval shaped pupil at least one the good ones have at least one okay now they say when the, <clears throat> the pupil is down toward the wattle a lot a wattle a lot is to consider to be a hot pigeon well haven't seen no evidence of that evidence of that yet there's any higher than any other bird one thing I know is that when a bird have a round pupil in the center and it stays centered those birds are very questionable especially if it if it if it don't never contract if it stay dilated most of them birds never roll with the kid they roll either coming out or landing. They don't roll at all. I've noticed that. So my best birds have a 
medium to small, no, medium small to small people. Just because the people were small, I mean, it's really small, I mean, it's no better than the next pigeon. I five birds that are perfect people you think was the bomb. Go, it, it, it contract down to the pin dot, and you know, that don't mean twice, that means stability. No, it don't. Five bird level has that, and through 80% roll down. So, you can just miss that. That's a myth. But the people have been centered and stayed dilated the whole time and not rolling or rolling when they land and stuff like that. That's almost pretty much fact. That's close to being fact. That's like 85% fact. Anybody tell you that, they, they really study the bird's eyes. Mm, color, that greenish orange eye, depends on the family. Every family is cultivated different to, to show different traits and characteristics and stuff like that. It, it depends on the breeder. Uh, Juan Navarro had some birds before. They went back to this old HRC stuff. They had the greenish eye. They were kind of hot on the deep side. Not hot, well, you could say hot. But hot and deep is not the same thing. Hot means dangerous, no matter. No, dangerous. Deep just means the bird can roll deep. It can roll deep and come low and roll short, but it can roll deep. But that's neither here or there right now. So the eye sign mean roll. Mm. Haven't seen the comparison. Anything that leads me to believe that the eye sign can tell you if a bird is going to roll. You can look at the eye sign, they can tell you how birds might respond to the roll. Or homing instinct, slightly. Or the, their ability to reproduce. I've seen that in the eyes. But I've noticed that when a bird has a circle of correlation, which is a circle that surrounds the pupil, it's slightly inside. It's just, I think it's a little lower in depth than the actual iris, but it's right around the pupil. What I've learned is the thicker that circle of correlation is, then it's the idea that the bird will produce itself readily on any bird it'll give it it'll give what he got to the maiden almost all the time at a high percentage the bad thing about that is the bird not be of might not be of good quality so that's all it means so if he's junk he's gonna give you junk so if he's good he's gonna give you good if he's great he's gonna give you a lot of good ones and that's all it's not that he's gonna give you the super ex superb ones he's gonna give you a higher percentage of good ones which is what this game needs, which is what you need right now, a higher percentage of good ones. Okay, you got um, the active pupil. When a bird responds to light really quick, and anything, you might hold a bird here and look at his eye, and something fly past behind you, his eye is going to contract and dilate so it can focus on whatever it is that went by. Them birds, they study, they take, like they look and they study and see what's really going on versus the wild type that they're seeing and ready, to, and ready for flight. I got a saying, fight or flight, but these birds always want to flight. Everything is flight in a way. So, no other color eye roll better than the other one. 
No color eye is more stable, no color eye is more hot, except for that I've seen so far when the birds I've bred and they come with that yellow lemon eye. Those like those been the hottest birds for me. Them birds right there are the birds I, I would say I can't rely on them to be safe at all times. I can't rely on those. So I, I steer away from them. I don't get too many of them. I get light orange. But I don't get too many yellow eye pigeons. I don't really keep them. So that's that. So a good bright orange eye, a good clear pearl eye. And a pearl eye, I like the best of the ones that either slightly gravitated with nice circle correlation with the red or pink going around the outside of the iris. Those seem like those have been the best, better ones, whether in the kit or in the breeding loft. Maybe two orange eye birds together don't ensure orange eyes, but two orange eye birds can throw pearl eyes. But I've never seen two pearl eye birds throw orange eyes. I've never seen it. I've seen two pearl eye birds throw bull and mix in different shades of pearl. Never seen two pearl eye birds throw, throw orange. Never seen it. I've seen two orange eye birds throw pearl eye. I've seen that. So, with that being said, it's not too much you can talk about with eyesight. Eyesight is something that's more to be shown than talked about. So, I'm not going to keep going into eyesight right now. So, with that, I will take a little break and I'll be back after this message. Okay, okay, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Let's talk about... Let's talk about this basic flying, training, and maintaining kits. Most people fly kits and their purpose is to see the role, right? We want to all want to see the role. We all want to see the role. I want to see the role. But I always want to see my birds roll together, even if I'm not in kit competition. That's just what I want. And that's what I breed them for. Train a kit. How should you really train your kit? You don't train your birds to fly high. You don't train your birds to roll. You breed them to roll. You train your birds to fly together and respond with each other. But that's also part of breeding. So say you got a kid up. They weaned them. Um, you try and get them the roof, whatever resource or whatever you use, your tactics, to, whatever you do to get your birds the roof or whatever you want them pole, roof, whatever it is. The best way to train a kid is to get your birds to give you 30 minutes, whether it's two 15-minute intervals, intervals, three 10-minute intervals, or straight 30 minutes. Eventually, 215 will turn to 30, and three tens will turn it to 30 all at once. It will happen. But you gotta be diligent in that. You gotta be working with it. So they fly out, say, so kick them out, young bird. They fly around and give you 10, 15 minutes, they land. Them sit a few minutes, two or three, flag them back up. They go up and fly around. Now, this is the thing when you try and train your birds to kick and land, train them to the point where they all need to land together. So if some birds come down early, you flag them back up and keep them up until they all land together. Sometimes you can do that. That's just when you first start off training. Okay, now you got them flying the kit. They flying, they flying, they flying. They kitten good, they give me 20, 25 minutes. What you want to do is get them to 30, maybe 40, no, no more than 45. So you're gonna add 
food. But you're gonna add food by the tea tablespoon. By a tablespoon. The average a good way to go is one tablespoon per bird. Period. Now you're gonna give or take depending on the kit. Every kit gonna be a little different. Oh excuse me. If they're not flying long enough, add a tablespoon or two. Just a tablespoon or two, that's it. If you're flying too long, take away a tablespoon or two. But you will most time you don't see the effects till after maybe about the two and a half, three days later. You will see the effects. And so if two and a half, three days later, after after or taking away they to where you want them to be, you keep them there. This is the key. Right here. I'm gonna tell you the key. Once them birds start rolling, and I don't mean flipping over two, three feet, five feet, and they start getting to where the majority of them is 10 feet or more, and they still flying just 20 minutes, you may want to add a tablespoon or two to them. Okay, remember, you try to keep them at 30. You understand, the more they rolling, the more energy they're using. So you want to get them to 30, you might give them a tablespoon or two more. And keep them there. Don't try again to start breaking. They, they, that'll happen. Just keep them there for a while. You do not have to fly them twice a day. Just two flies per session. So that means if you fly them in the morning, you fly them, they give you 30 minutes, they land, let them sit five minutes, flag them back up. And whatever they give you, it's just whatever they give you. Whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes, no big deal. Get up, let them sit on the roof for like two or three minutes, get, get there. Your rest with them, get them right in the loft. Feed them. I will say, let them feed them, let them eat. They don't need to come back out. That's for that day. And do that every day with one at least one day rest. You'll be all right. Now, say if you, they're older now, they about five, six months, and you, it's almost time to start competing. Now you change up a little bit. Now you got to start figuring out what impulses they, they, they respond to the best. Because they're not, they haven't come into their own yet, so you can't really say. So you kick them out. They give you those, those 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it is. They're doing really good. Now you keep them there. And you ain't trying to get no thousand points out of them. You're just trying to get them ready to do what they do a little bit more. So the week of the fly, you're going gonna to rest on the day before the fly, right? So you're going to count backwards. The fly day to Saturday, you keep them in Friday. You fly on Thursday. Fly on Wednesday. Fly on Tuesday. And depending on the depth of the birds, you might fly on Monday. If they're not deep, if they're not deep, you can go shorter. They can fly on three days. I mean, only three days. If they're deep, you might have to find a little bit more just so they be relaxed and don't want to give you all they fire when they first come out. I, 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 I use dark kit boxes. I have the best results, but what I do is I light them the kit box before I fly them. So open the trap, crack the door. Just so they can see out, they, I, I have to get activated to the light. That's what I do. They come out, they come out steady, they come out calm, they come out ready to just bust on impulse, but that's them. But it don't usually work after they get at least seven months old, which is usually during lockdown time, so next season. So now when you got your birds going, you got them going, now you got them spinning right, they're scoring points. Let's say they score, I'll give you a big, nice round 500 or something like that. They give you something that really work way, but they normally been working. So the thing is, that day, 
whatever you feed them, add three tablespoons to that and give them that, that day and the next day. After that, after that, that second day, third and fourth day, give them regular amounts, but you do not fly them none of them days. Keep them in three to four, three to five days. Right? So that's if they're older. If they're seven months or older. If they're young, keep flying. But if they're seven months old, do that. Now, when you fly them, they're going to come out flighty. They're going to fly a little bit more, but they're going to bust. They're going to bust hard. That's how you maintain them. And you only give them three days back in. Two days, literally. You don't need to fly them as much. Not as much. So, two, so you're going to give them one day off a week. You don't give them two days splitting. Three day off but I always I always schedule off days on your potential schedule return to fly days on your potential days you're gonna fly for competition so make sure if your club flying on Saturday you never fly them on Friday it's gonna become a habit do it like keep them on Friday you might want to keep me on Friday and Monday fly them, fly them Saturday and Sunday do hands that's what you gotta do you gotta figure them out which works best for you and go from there If you got any questions about kicks, it's better. Kick time, kick time is better when you're talking about what people, what problems people have. I need to know what problems you guys have with your kids or how to get to what you're trying to accomplish. We can tell you how to, I can tell you how to do it better. Okay, I'm telling you now, it's what worked for me. And if you don't have my birds, then your birds now are going to respond the same way. But just some guidelines, basic guidelines go by. That's all. Nothing in stone. But that gives you an idea on that about kick competition um, to master a kick comp- master kick competition to master it you gotta have a holdover kit that's the only time you gonna, the mastery you gonna kick in when you get the holdovers you gonna notice some guys are breed birds one year and at the end of the year they're talking about breeding birds the following year without even speaking on the birds that they bred the previous year there's a reason for that too but we're not gonna get into that today but the master part come in when you get when your birds are two and three years old. That's the mastery. That's when you really, really get a good, really get good kid. If you bred them right, they will never let you down. If you bred them right, you can maintain them right. So that's it for that kid competition for kid. Now let's talk about clubs. Club. A group of people come together for one common purpose or goal. That means you guys have to have something in common. That's the club. What you have in common besides Bird? You have Birmingham Rose in common. And like ICRC, I was cultivating the Birmingham Rose through competition with my friends. That was our club statement. Club statement. So that's what we did. So what you guys got to figure out club. Most clubs are together. Um, like they're putting clubs together now with dudes that don't get along. <clears throat> dudes that don't get along should not be in the same club, period. I don't care what it is. They shouldn't get along. Dudes not thinking the same should not be in the same club, period. These guys should be on one accord. It's a club. You guys together. That's what it's for. Yeah, you're going to compete against each other, but it's friendly competition. Right? What you want to do is make clubbing fun. It needs to be fun. I mean, when you go out and to have fun, this is your hobby. You just choose to compete in your hobby, so you want to have fun. So 
make it fun. Don't be too competitive where you become obnoxious. Nobody don't want you around. You can't be a sore loser either. Nobody don't want you around. So have fun with your club. Work with each other. Share notes. Talk to each other. See what's really going on. Right now, people brag about who's in their club. And I I still haven't figured that out yet. Um, Because if you put certain people in your club, that means you might not be able to win. I mean, you can put them in your club and you're going to compete with them. But you thinking about flying against other clubs. You got to recruit people to make your club stronger so you can fly against other clubs. In actuality, you should be flying against each other to get ready to fly in the major clubs. I'm just spitting game. I'm just telling you, tell you something. You think, oh, we're going we gonna to mess over them. Okay. What if you don't fly against nobody? You guys have a club that way you compete against each other and you have a perpetual trophy that goes around your name never get on it. I mean, what you gonna do then? Are you gonna change your game to really beat the person you just got in that you're bragging about? Or are you gonna help you fly against another club so you can have somebody fly beat? That's what people get people in the club for. You think about flying against other people. Oh, we got this person out of the club. Okay, that means it's gonna be harder for you to win. That's what that means. That's why I hear. I mean, teach is all. That's club. Now, when it comes to competing, and people saying, I'm going to talk about the Royal Rumble. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. I'm going to make a whole different segment and talk about just that. 